first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. When they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here, he has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee? The son of man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the 11 and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away, wondering to himself what had happened. This is the word of the Lord. As we reflected on this at our Good Friday service in this room just a couple of nights ago, something to remember is that everyone involved, all the friends of Jesus, all the disciples of Jesus, all the onlookers of Jesus, all of the family of Jesus, uh, for them, Jesus' death on the cross and burial inside of a tomb was the end of the road. That was it. No one at any point said, I think it'll get better in a couple days, three tops. (laughs) No one had this idea. And it's a feature in all of the resurrection stories, this sense of having no clue as to what they're stepping into and what the new reality for them would be. Now, don't get me wrong. Many, many Jews believed in a resurrection, but they believed in what is considered like a mass resurrection, that everyone would be raised from the dead on the same day, like a big earth party resurrection day. But they didn't really believe in like a rogue, singular resurrection. And so the, the thought of Jesus like coming back did not cross their mind. And in every version, the women walk unknowingly into a remarkable scene. Now, when they arrive... There's more confusion. The body is gone. It's been like a heck of a weekend for these people. I mean, it's been so rigorous for them. And the text says that the women are perplexed. And the Greek here is so beautiful. Because when you dig into the word, it simply means they feel that there's no way out. They feel lost, at a loss, having no escape from the situation. In other words, think of those moments where you're holding your life together. Maybe it's duct taped. Maybe you've been there. And then something else happens. And you think to yourself, I feel like I can't escape. You ever been there? That's what this word means. It's like another thing. Someone has stolen our friend. It's been quite a weekend for these people. There's been an arrest There's been a trial, there's been public humiliation, there's been a beating, a crucifixion, a burial, and now the body is gone. And so they are perplexed. But then something extraordinary happens. 
they are, and the children say. (laughs) Remember downtown days? Man, let's pause for the children. Uh, But then something amazing happens. The women get asked this question, and it's simply this. Why do you look for the living among the dead? Why do you look for the living among the dead? Well, this is a picture of my record collection. Do you like that? Some of these are from my high school days, college days. Many of them are just through the decades that I've collected. I love going to record stores, garage sales. Those are always warped. They don't sound good. Um, But I love digging through the boxes and seeing what I can find. This is not one genre on the shelf. This is just alphabetical. Um, (laughs) So there's anything and everything is up there. I'm not as like, if you're a high fidelity fan, like I can't organize them autobiographically. That's just kind of a situation. But, um, and plus my wife wouldn't let me just put everything on the floor again. uh, Because taking care of records is tough. Anybody a record collector? Nobody. Great. Um, (laughs) You're like, I got iTunes, streaming, music, whatever. Um, I have that too. But this is my collection, and I love it. I just love it. I love the way they sound. I love the act of taking it out of the sleeve and putting it on the turntable. We had some friends in from Portland a couple weeks ago, and their kid was like, uh, was, still is, like six. Um, And they came over, and we're just chatting it up, and he makes his way over to the record player, and he's just like looking into it, and his dad goes, what do you see over there? And I'm like, he has no idea what he's looking at. And he turns around to his dad, and he's like, I don't know. So I had a talk with the dad. Uh, no, but anyway. Of course, then my daughter comes out and just like shows off, like puts the thing on the thing, moves the thing, and walks away. Um, she's going to be a great kid. <laughs> and also very annoying. But um, yeah, but that's, that's, my, that's my collection. Uh, the cabinet itself belonged to my grandmother. Uh, when she passed away, I got it, and I rebuilt all the inside stuff. I put new wires, new amps, new speakers, new subs, new turntable, and it sounds amazing. It sounds amazing. I wrote this article for Bitter Southerner years ago about record stores, and the record store in Atlanta growing up was Turtles Records, and uh, we just would go there all the time. My friend worked there. That's where he got concert tickets, but just spending time in there just looking through the music. It was always so much fun. And I keep it, I keep it around, not just because I like it, but it still works. It still works. It's not trash. It still has a function. But I do keep things around that I'm not sure about. I have this eight-track tape of Fleetwood Mac (laughs) for some reason on my shelf in my office. Like, I just have it there sitting nicely on top of a thing that I probably should throw away as well. But, like, I don't have an eight-track player. I don't have one in the wings. Like, I, it's not even in, like, the Amazon box. Like, I don't have... This will never probably get played, nor should it, because this is pre-Stevie Nicks. But... Uh, <laughs> some things are better left quiet. Uh, but, yeah, some things I, I, I... Like, people are getting back into this, like, records thing. And, like, in 2020, like, vinyl sales outdid CDs. And I know you're like, what are CDs? But... Uh, I mean, I was around, because of my age level, like, level. I was around to watch the death of the cassette tape and the rise of the CD and the death of the record. Uh, And it's quite amazing, but it's coming back, man. 
And it's not just like boomers and Gen Xers. Um, you can Google Gen X later. Um, we're still around, baby. <laughs> but it's like young people like getting into uh, collecting these things. It's a revival. They're still around for lots of reasons, but the main reason, the main reason is because it still works. It's not useless. And these women get asked this question, why are you looking for the living among the dead? It is a very layered question, and it is one that I stared at for weeks in thinking about this morning. What does this question mean? Something didn't sit right with me about this question. And this is why. On the one hand, it makes sense. They're in a graveyard. They're in a graveyard, there's a tomb, but the implication here is that Jesus is not there because he is alive. And so the question makes sense at a surface level. But on the other hand, because I kind of know the Bible story, on the other hand, it has this motivating factor to it. Why do you look for the living among the dead? Because here's what we know. This very question of looking for the living among things that are dead uh, would somehow get refashioned by the early Christian movement and would become central to the Christian mission, a driving force of the Christian mission, which was and still is, by the way, to enter into places where things have been forgotten, where people have been discarded, and where many feel worthless or even dead to the world and say, that's not dead yet. I just know that this is what happens. It's almost like this, I don't know if this question was asked with like a wink or sort of a smile. Why do you look for the living among the dead? Because the church, the early church, did that essentially. In a world where we are quick to move on, quick to bury, quick to deem ourselves finished, the tides of Easter just keep relentlessly rolling in with the message of life. And telling us in so many ways that you are not dead yet. Amen? And resurrection for the first Christian communities wasn't just like a thing that happened. It was. I, I contend with you this morning that there wouldn't even be a New Testament if something hadn't happened. There's no reason for it. And so resurrection for the first Christian communities was not just a thing that happened. It was a thing that they saw that spilled over into everything. All of life is now touched by this reality of resurrection, this persistent hope that things can change, that everything's not lost, and that with God, all things are possible. Amen? That the living, in fact, can be found among the dead. It's beautiful. And so I think the encouragement for us today is, and for you, stop carrying burial spices to the things in your life that God has not deemed dead. Amen? Stop doing that. Why do you look for the living among the dead? Because it's possible. It's possible to find life in places where there shouldn't be life. I think about our world, the struggles that we see in our city, in our neighborhoods, in our country. 
across the globe. I think about the relationships in our lives that sometimes tilt and struggle and crack and break. I think about all the justice that's so desperately needed among certain people groups here in our own city, across the country, and around the world. It's easy to look at these things and to be overwhelmed. And it's easy for us to carry the burial spices to people and to places that we have said, I just think it's too late. There's nothing we can do. But we must be mindful that we might be too soon on that. That childhood faith that doesn't work for you anymore, it's not dead. It's rebirthing. Let it happen. That faith experience for you that just feels like it's rebirthing. It's not gone. Why do we look for the living among the dead? Because it's possible, amen? That's what we do. But the resurrection comes into history and says, "Mm -mm. you're not dead. You're not dead. You're not dead. Regardless of what you think, that's not dead. Regardless of how it feels, it's not dead. Put down the burial spices. There's a life to live. Amen? And maybe you are just wrecked with guilt over whatever. You're not dead. Why do you look for the living among the dead? I swear that question is asked with a smile because it will turn in to the driving mission of the church to go to places and to people who feel dead and to say, there's life for you and for all creation. In the words of Frederick Buechner, resurrection means that the worst thing is never the last thing. Everything dies, baby, that's us.